Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, hey, are you looking for new ways to make money as a blogger? If so, we have got your back. We have launched an ebook called Conversations on Monetization. Inside this resource, we take your favorite podcast episodes about monetization and we put them all in one easy, accessible package. We threw a few exclusive interviews in as well. Friends, there are so many ways to monetize your food blog. Inside this ebook, we have interviews with success stories like Todd Bullock, Alyssa Brantley, Kelly McNellis, Jenna Carlin, and more. All of these examples have become successful through completely different monetization strategies. Whether you are a brand new blogger looking for your very first revenue stream, or you are a seasoned pro wanting to diversify, this ebook is for you. Go to eatblogtalk.com to grab your copy, and we can't wait to hear your success story with monetization. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. Today, I have Marie Feebach from Feed Your Family Tonight with me, and we are going to chat about how to land a cooking segment on TV. Marie blogs at FeedYourFamilyTonight.com. She is a cookbook author and podcaster, but her first love is food TV. As a weekly guest on her local ABC affiliate, Marie knows what it takes to be a stellar guest. She helps chefs and food bloggers connect with their local TV stations and learn how to cook on television. I am so excited to get some time with you today, Marie, to talk about landing TV cooking segments. But first, we all want to hear your fun fact. Well, my fun fact is that I am a professional singer. I um, I call myself, I sing for weddings and funerals. So it's kind of like opera church music, but it's a little different kind of a break from all of the food and media that I do in my day-to-day life. That is so fun. And I remember when I first saw you on our Zoom meeting that we had at the Food Blogger Summit, I thought that really stood out about you. Your voice is really incredible. And it's just like this really steady, smooth voice. And you have such good uh, pronunciation and just all around. I was like, wow, I love her voice. So it totally makes sense to me. And I can imagine how this has maybe helped you in your career having started with being a singer. Is that right? Well, you know, it kind of has. I have been singing since I was very young. And then through middle school, high school and into college, I had several years of professional training. There's a lot of tools that translate, like learning how to enunciate and learning how to control your breath that has come in really useful as I've been a podcaster, but then also as I've broken out into TV media and other forms of media. Which kind of goes along with what we're talking about because you are an expert when it comes to TV media. And I don't think that is something that a lot of food bloggers listening can say. Some of us can. I've, I did like two stints on our local TV news stations And I feel like that was like way extending myself. It was so stressful, but it was so much fun. 
but I'm excited to get some time with you today to talk about this. So I mentioned that I met you at the Food Blogger Summit and I watched your presentation over there. So I kind of got a little glimpse of what you talk about and your experience with TV media. This is definitely an angle for putting ourselves out there in a new way, right? Food bloggers don't typically think of doing this. I love that you've discovered this avenue To start, what advice do you have for people listening who have never done a cooking segment on a local news station? How and where does one even get started with this? Well, you know, the first thing is to not be afraid to reach out to your local news station. This is something that people often don't understand is that local stations need people to fill their time. They often have five to six hours a morning of time that they have to fill. And they are always actively looking for people to come in and be guests. So you are doing them a favor. And so that's one big mind shift thing I want food bloggers to know is that local stations need you. The second thing is some stations have cooking sets and some don't, but you can cook on a station even if they don't have a cooking set. So we'll kind of get into how to do your research and some things that you can do to find the best place to get on. One thing you want to look at is just start watching a little bit of the morning shows. Cooking segments are almost always on morning shows. I rarely see them on a show that's after 1 p.m. So you're looking at morning shows and morning shows are all about getting the main news of the day out and then there's lots of feel good programming. So there's fashion and there is food and there is the animal rescue shelter. We always say it's about food, fashion, and puppies. That's kind of a industry thing for morning television. And so start looking at your station, see if they have a cooking set, if there's anybody cooking on there. And if they don't, start looking to see what other type of people they are having on in the morning so that you can find the best station. Because no matter where you are, and it's a little harder if you're in a really large metro area like New York, LA, San Francisco, but if you're in a smaller market, it is actually much easier than you think to get on television. How do you know who to talk to? How do you know who to reach out to? I mean, let's say someone looks at a TV station and they determine it's a great fit for them. They cook similar things as what they're seeing on the station. Where would you even go? Sure. The first thing I have people do is go through their own personal network. That is how I got my first break on the local ABC affiliate. If you know anyone who is in any way connected with the TV station, that is your best bet. It could be the janitor and it could be one of the anchors. It could be someone who is a producer. And to give you a little bit about how a TV station is structured, There is the talent, which are the people that you see on the television, and then there is everybody else behind them. And behind them, there is someone called a producer, and the producer is the person you eventually want to get to because they are the ones who are writing all of the scripts for the talent to read from the teleprompters. They are the ones that are gathering the story. They are structuring how the show goes. At what point are you putting in the weather? Or what point are you putting in the cooking segment? At what point are you doing some news from the nation? And so you eventually want to get to the producer. But anyone at the station can get you to the producer. Now let's say 
you don't have anyone or you've exhausted your local personal network. The next thing you want to do is start following the people that are the talent, the anchors that are on TV, the weatherman, start following them on social media. And as you follow them on social media, comment on their things and start building a connection with them. I promise you, if you do this regularly and give thoughtful and meaningful comments, they will start to get to know who you are. I've worked with the talent now for over two years at my local station and they know who their super fans are and they are always really kind and generous with their super fans. And eventually after you've taken a month or so to build a relationship with this person, you say, Hey, I'm a food blogger and I have an idea for a cooking segment. Super Bowl Sunday's coming up and I have some really great appetizers. Would you be interested in having me come on and cook an appetizer for Super Bowl Sunday? It's as simple as that. It it sounds really, really simple. That it, it seems like so, so simple. I was like waiting for some like grand um, instructions, but really it just comes down to something so simplistic. And I absolutely love your idea of going to the talent on social media because most talent is on social media, right? And just being their super fans, even with us as food bloggers, if we have people who are constantly commenting on our content, we know who they are. We know them by name. We know what they like. We know what they don't like. So be that person for them and you will eventually get recognized. You'll be put in their brain, right? (laughs) It's totally true. And do it with several people. Reach out to, you know, three or four different people on three or four different stations. It may take, you know, talking with four or five people to make it happen. But if you keep working those connections, it and once you get your first segment, then it's easy from there. I wanted to talk about something you said a little bit earlier about you are doing them a favor. And I always feel like I am an annoyance. I mentioned that I've been on two segments and it was to promote my cookbook that came out a couple of years ago. And I felt like I was the opposite of that. Like I did not feel like I was doing them a favor. I felt like they were doing me a huge favor. And so when I was done, I just felt like, well, thank you for that opportunity. This is never going to happen again. I didn't say that, but that's kind of how I felt. But then they ended up reaching back out to me and saying, hey, we really enjoyed having you. Do you want to come back on? And again, I felt like I, you know, they were doing me a favor. And so I just never went back. And I feel like I kind of lost out on opportunity there. So I do have the producer's name, Marie. So would you, if this is something I would want to branch back out into, do you recommend me just reaching out, sending an email saying, hey, I was on your show a few years ago. What do you think about? And then pitching a specific idea. 100%. Yes, yes, yes. And I promise you, especially in these times of COVID, these producers are having a really hard time time filling their shows. I had a conversation with my producer about a month ago and she was just overwhelmed with how hard it was because she used to have, you know, seven or eight guests a week. And now she's having to fill all this time without guests because they're not having in-studio guests. So here's the other thing is I have been taping from home and I've been sending my tapes in. If you are willing to put together a tape from home and send it in as a spec, to a producer, they will love you because they need to fill this time and it is hard for them right now. These producers are struggling 
especially during COVID times. If you have a connection with a producer and you have been there in the past, they will be thrilled to hear from you. They have six hours to fill every day. Just think about that. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. And I can imagine that's extremely stressful for them. And I never had that perspective until you said that, but it makes total sense. Of course, they're stressed out. Most stations, I'm assuming, do not have people coming in the studio. So talk to us about how that works. So you send a little video clip from your home and you just record it with your phone or how do you record it? How much time do you invest in this? How does that go? Well, I, um, yes, I am very low tech. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do. I record on my iPhone. I have invested in a wired or a wired mic. So I actually have a 20 foot wire that connects to my tripod and my iPhone because the sound in my kitchen is very echoey. And I have to tell you, my kitchen is not a gorgeous, beautiful kitchen. I have a small galley kitchen. So I have created a quote unquote cooking set where I have my kitchen table that is raised with paint cans in a corner of my kitchen. <laughs> like I'm telling you, like what I do is very, very low tech. If people go to feedyourfamilytonight.com and click on any of my recipes, you can see how low of production value my videos are. And I am a little embarrassed that they're not high, high production value, but I, I've got what I have and my station is thrilled to have it. And I do weekly segments. I have used to go to the studio weekly and I can talk about some of the logistics of that. But lately, because I've been taping from home, I can do two in a day. And that means I only have to tape every other week. I have found that three is just too much. It's too many dishes. I'm repeating my um, measuring cups and stuff and I'm having to wash in between and it kind of just gets to be more than I can handle in an afternoon. But I spend the better part of one afternoon every other week taping two segments. I do minimal, minimal edits. And most of the time, it's just a one-take thing, which is what I do on TV. It's usually live one-take and it's a one one take thing. And then I send it to my editor and I have a video editor at the station. And then I also send it to the producer. And then the video editor adds all of their station's branding so that you can see cake news at the bottom, you know, the date and the time and the weather and all those things that scroll on the screen. So the video editor adds all of that and they put it up once a week. I also do something, and this is something you would likely have if you are a new food blogger, new to a station, this is probably how most stations would do it, is where I actually cook live from my kitchen with a reporter in the station interviewing me. And I do that once a month. Um, my producer would love it if I did it every week, but it takes a lot more work. And the talent and I are friends, and so they cook the same recipe on the station as I am cooking at home. Oh, cool. Which is really fun. But then you have to think of a recipe that is done start to finish in six minutes with ingredients that oh, aren't right. hard for them to gather, equipment that anybody can have. And I have some funny stories of how that has gone awry. One, one of the talent, um, he, I said, bring a saucepan and he brought in like a six inch skillet and we're trying to make no bake cookies in a six inch skillet. And it was just a comedy of errors, <laughs> but it turned out really fun and it was fine. And again, it's not my first rodeo. So I adjusted and it wasn't his first rodeo and he adjusted and we all made it happen. But if you're a new 
person, that's likely how they would do it is they would have you just do it on Skype and someone from the station would be interviewing you live and, or they might tape it, but most of the time they try and do it live and it's really, really fun. Now I can talk about Megan, if you want to talk about like how to pick a recipe and what goes well on TV. Yeah, go for it. Um, when you are first starting, I made a rookie, rookie mistake and I did, this was my second segment on Cake TV. I'll never forget it. I did roast chicken, cook once, eat three times, and I had two seven-minute segments on this particular show. So the first one, I showed people how to prep a roast chicken, and then the second segment, I was going to teach them how to make bone broth and chicken quesadillas and chicken noodle soup, and I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. It was a disaster. So what I learned, so learn from my mistakes, let me serve you and help you, is that you want your recipe to be dead simple. And I mean so simple that you don't need a recipe for it, that a viewer can go and make that recipe without ever having to look at the recipe. Now they will go to your website and they will look at the recipe and they will print it out. I promise you they will do that. But you want it to be so simple that they have the ingredients in their house. And I always say, don't pick specialty ingredients. Pick an ingredient that you can... Um, buy at Aldi. Aldi's having more specialty items, but if you can't buy it at Aldi, then it should not be on television. I love that advice. Yes, I love that because I cannot imagine going and having something totally overcomplicated and having to scramble because when you're on live TV, it's stressful anyway, but having to like manage all of that on top of it, I cannot, like right now I'm just starting to sweat thinking of it that stresses me out. So yes, easy. And also maybe something that aligns with a season or a holiday um, coming up or something like that as well. Oh, 100%. And that's your way in your first time. As you say, Super Bowl Sunday's coming up. I have some appetizers or, hey, it's the new year. A lot of people are wanting some healthy recipes. I have um, a healthy smoothie recipe or everybody's wanting to... Um, get ready for Valentine's Day. I have a chocolate dessert that's guaranteed to woo your loved ones, you know. And so use what's happening currently to get your in. The other thing is TV stations move fast. Two weeks out scheduling something is a long time for a station. Most of the time you're working in the next week to the next day. So you want to be very, very current and you want to be ready to go at the drop of a hat. So if they say, hey, can you do it tomorrow? You say, yes, mm. I can. Yes, be flexible. Be willing, be ready, <laughs> and just make it happen. What are your tips about being a good guest? And also give us some tips about nerves, because even if you're on live video streaming virtually, I can imagine that's still kind of nerve-wracking. When I was on, I was so nervous, Marie. I could not even think. So give us your best advice. Okay, my best advice for nerves is do something that you know how to do inside and out. The first thing with nerves is start with a recipe that you know so well so that when your nerves get the best of you, you will go on autopilot and you have the muscle memory so that your body just knows what's next. Practice your 
cooking segment. And when I was starting, I would actually, I didn't have the actual food, but I had all of my utensils and all of my bowls. And I'm going to start with this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And I would actually practice going through the motions. That is a huge thing with nerves. Um, there was another part of your question that you asked. and um, Yeah, just aside from nerves, how do you be a good guest in general? What are some other tips you have for that? Okay, so the key to being a good guest is to um, not be a basket case. Anyone who comes in who is <laughs> um, a hot mess and they're dropping pots and pans and everything is... and. I've done it. I've said <laughs> one time I dropped a pan in the middle of a oh. new segment. It was awful. Oh no. I, so, so learn from my mistakes, but, but go in and be prepared. Um, one thing I remember my producer telling me about and really like me because I come in, I'm super organized and I do the same format every time. And this is a format I, I teach my clients is you start with the ingredients on your right hand side and then in front of you you're doing the cooking the mixing the stirring whatever the actual activity is and then to your left you have the finished product i always come to the station with something that is totally finished i usually have a tasting for the talent and i ask them would you like to taste or would you prefer not to and sometimes they want to eat on air and sometimes they don't and so by giving them that option, you are being kind and you are being respectful. Oh, that's a good one. So so always, always do that. Another thing is go in with your end in mind. What are you trying to do during this cooking segment? Are you trying to sell your cookbook like you did? Are you trying to get people to your Facebook group? Are you trying to get people to follow you on Instagram? Have one goal for each segment and tell the talent that goal. You can even, if it's your very first time, I would even type out two or three talking points and give them to them. And what a talking point is, say, it's it's a prompt saying, oh, you are making this particular recipe with pecans. Could you substitute a different nut? And you write that and then you say, the answer I'm going to give is, yes, you can substitute with any other kind of nut that you want. Or if you have a nut-free home, you could use sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds and actually type out questions and answers. For the very first time you go in, the talent will appreciate that. If you become uh, a guest that comes in more than once, you probably don't need to go to the step of actually typing it out. But that very first time, it gives the talent a lot of confidence in you. And it gives you a lot of confidence that you know what questions they're going to ask you so that you're ready to answer them. And it helps you be a better guest. And it assures that they're not scrambling to find something to ask you about because maybe they know nothing about your veggie salad that you're bringing in and making in front of them and they have to like come up with something on the spot. And I know they're really good at that and they're trained to do that, but still it kind of takes away some stress for them as well. That's a really good point. Is there anything else you would recommend for just being a great guest? You know, I, at the end of my thing, I always ask, would you like me to leave the food here or would you prefer me to take it with you? And if it's something sweet and baked goods, they usually are like, leave it. If it's something savory, they're like, I'm okay. It all comes down to being courteous, being kind, being prepared. 
when you go to a studio, take cleaning supplies with you. Expect to not have any water, expect to not have anything. So I usually bring, especially if I'm doing something like raw chicken, I bring a quart jar that has bleach water in it. And I clean down the set before I start if there's a little mess from the last person. And I clean down the set afterwards. I always try and leave the set better than when I came to it. And I am always you know, kind to the people, be kind to everybody from the person you walk in the door until you leave. And oftentimes leaving, especially if it's something like sweets, leaving something for the crew, they really appreciate it because the talent's always eating on air, but you know, the, the crew gets to know you too, even though most of the time in most rooms, you're not even going to see the crew. You're only going to see the talent in my particular station. I walk in and the crew is in a separate room and they're main, they're remotely controlling all of the cameras and everything, but they still like to get a taste of whatever you've made. And so if they agree that it's okay and leave it in a disposable container, you know, it's kind of like taking food to a friend. You want to make sure that everything's disposable, that everything is, um, so that they don't have any burdens. The whole key to being a guest is to not be a burden to the people that you are there. You Because they want you there and you're there to help them, but make their job as easy as possible. If you have the opportunity, send the link to the blog post to the producer ahead of time so they have something to write the copy of the, um, the cut-in, which is the what the talent is reading before they're saying, Oh, you know, Marie Feebach is a uh, podcaster and food blogger at feedyourfamilytonight.com. Today's recipe is gluten-free paleo and vegan. And so if you have been able to send the recipe to the producer ahead of time, sometimes they even like to have a photo so that they can use the photo as a bump shot as they're leading into your segment. So anything that you can do to make their job easier is going to make you a better guest. That is all such great advice. So I want to hear from you. What are the benefits of seeking this out as a new avenue for our businesses? There's so many benefits, Megan. The first thing is we all know that recipes that have video are ranking higher. And if you ask them, they will send you the MP4 of your segment. You can... Um, with their permission, put that up on YouTube. All of the stations I have ever worked with, they don't care as long as you don't um, scrub off their branding. So it'll say Cake TV at the bottom of the video. You can use that as your recipe video if you don't have video already shot for your recipe. So that's something that's really useful. Also, one segment you can reuse over and over again, and it gives you so much credibility and social proof to have been on television. You can put it on your YouTube channel. You can put it on your Facebook. You can put it on your Instagram. You can use it as part of your resume saying you've seen her on TV. Anytime you have a bio that someone's talking about your food blog, you can say, and she's also on television or she has been on this TV show. It gives you so much social proof and so much credibility. And the key is to take one segment and just reuse it over and over again on all of your different channels, put it in, put the video in the blog post, put the video on your Facebook page. It, it is so 
useful to have that credibility. Absolutely. Is there anything else you think, any other ways that doing something like this could benefit food bloggers? Well, you know, we're all kind of building our resumes. And if you ever dream of doing more food TV, which a lot of food bloggers do, you know, they dream of having the show on Food Network by having on screen credibility with someone that's not just you shooting a video in your home. It's always good, especially if you really have that dream of doing food TV. And the other thing is the more you do it, the better you will get at it. So if you can kind of cut your teeth at the local level before you kind of try and start doing something a little bit more national, you'll be leaps and bounds above a lot of people that have never had the local experience. So true. I think the more you practice, the better you're going to be. And we find that as food bloggers when we're just creating simple recipe videos for our blogs, at least for me, having done quite a few of those, I get so much better over time. And I can imagine doing live videos repeatedly. It just makes you so much better incrementally because you are put on the spot. You're required to have this increased focus. Talking about it, Marie, kind of stresses me out, but <laughs> there's <laughs> there's so much good that I believe can come from this. And I'm kind of inspired to reach back out to that producer and just feel it out and see what's available here in the Twin Cities because why not, right? Oh, Megan, I think you should. You're, I'm going to follow up with you and see if you did because... <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because you, think, should. You, you should. You definitely follow again, up. Again, it builds so much credibility. And then again, you have one less recipe video to shoot. If you have a recipe that you really like and you haven't shot a video for it, do it on TV and then you can throw that video into your recipe. And card. it would be way cooler to have a live video on a news station than to have a video that you created from your kitchen, I think. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's fun. Yes, it is fun. After the fact, it was fun. I was like, wow, that was fun. But during it was, oh. Um, I have one last question for you, Marie, before we say goodbye. What piece of advice would you have given yourself before you landed your very first TV spot? Well, the biggest piece of advice is go with a really simple recipe. That was something that I had to learn the hard way. And I I cannot emphasize this enough for food bloggers is that to have a very, very simple recipe. Well, you're my hero because you do this regularly and it's like no big deal to you. And that's so awesome. I think that's so cool that you've launched into this. How many segments have you done and how many years have you been doing this? Since September of 2018. So I've been doing for over two years, five segments a month. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. Where do you see yourself in five years? Are you going to be on the Food Network? You know, I really want to show on Magnolia. Oh. I, that's, that's my big dream. I have I have a dream for a show that is centered around the family dinner table, a little less chefy and a little bit more family focused. And I think Magnolia is the right place for that. So if anybody has contacts at Magnolia Network, reach out to me. <gasps> Oh my gosh. Well, I believe that's going to happen for you. You're amazing. Thank you so much for being here and sharing such incredible value with food bloggers today, Marie. Before you go, I like to ask all my guests to share either a favorite quote or words of inspiration for food bloggers. 
You know, I am a meal planner. I love the Dale Carnegie quote where one hour of planning can save you 10 hours of execution. And I really think that's true for food bloggers too. If you can take one hour and plan out your content strategy, you can save 10 hours in doing and redoing things till you can get them right. 100% agree with that. I love that quote as well. We are going to put together a show notes page for you, Marie. So if anyone wants to go check that out, you can find that at eblogtalk.com forward slash Marie Feebach. And I will spell that. It's F-I-E-B-A-C-H. Marie, tell my listeners the best place they can find you online. You know, the best place is at feedyourfamilytonight.com. And if you're interested in my top 10 do's and don'ts for local TV, do feedyourfamilytonight.com slash TV. That'll get you to a list of top 10 do's and don'ts for cooking on TV. Oh, great stuff. Well, thank you again for being here, Marie. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.